Today on Locked On Mariners, after moving into my first apartment in Chicago, my distant cousin from a small Mediterranean island comes to live with me, and hilarity then ensues for six and a half seasons. Welcome to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here's your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you very much, Joey Martin. Another uh, afternoon special today on Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, or T-L-O-P-N, or Tloppin. Please remember to download, rate, and follow this program on whichever podcasting app that you personally care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners podcast or any program here on Tloppin. So simple to do, gang. So easy. All you got to do is say, hey, smart device, play Locked On Mariners podcast, would you please? Mariners won the final game of the series in Houston yesterday in a great pitcher's duel. It had a little of everything. Dominant pitching, outstanding defense, and a game time of fewer than three hours. Why'd they have to waste it on an 11, on an 11 o'clock start instead of one of these 7 o'clock starts? Tonight's game is going to be about four hours. Mark my words. Anyways, the only thing yesterday's game was missing was pretty much any offensive prowess whatsoever. This was the third one to nothing game that the Mariners have been a part of already this season, but this time they were on the right side of it. And speaking of yesterday's game, the best way that I can describe it is by saying, Kikuchi-sansuge, which roughly means Mr. Kikuchi is amazing. And he was. The TV broadcast noted that this was probably more akin to what he had been doing in Japan when he was dominating that league. And I'll buy that to at least to some extent, maybe maybe all the way. I'll expand on that a little later on in A Block, but I'm going to dive into the game itself before doing that. Kikuchi-san only gave up one hit, which came with one out in the seventh. It was a Carlos Correa double in the right center field gap, and it was a mistake pitch. He wanted it in, but it was on the inner out pardon me outer half of the plate, right at the belt and Correa took it the other way for a line drive double. That was Kikuchi-san's 89th pitch of the game, and he wound up throwing 95 in his seven innings, which is pretty efficient, about 13.5 pitches per inning. He still looked strong after those seven innings, and I was disappointed that service went to his bullpen in the eighth. Kikuchi-san had only thrown 95 pitches, as noted. Sooner or later, you have to let your starting pitchers just go out there and do their thing. This is the type of game that a bullpen typically comes in and blows. They didn't do that, thank goodness, but the point still remains. You never know what type of performance you're going to get from a fresh reliever. And Kikuchi's no kid. They don't need to protect him from the rest of his career, so he should have a longer leash like service likes to give to Marco Gonzalez. Anthony Misevich came in for the 8th and did his job very well, and Kendall Graveman came in to save the game in the ninth and allowed another base hit, but that was it. Doing some quick math, if Kikuchi had been allowed to finish the game and threw the same number of pitches in the 8th and ninth as he had been averaging through the uh, first 7 innings, he only would have thrown 122 pitches. That's honestly not very much. 100 is the magic number that managers use nowadays. 
I guess some fairy godmother put a a spell over all starting pitchers that turned them into pumpkins after throwing the 100th pitch of a ball game or something like that. That's really as good a theory as any because this limiting of starting pitchers just does not make sense. Service got lucky that Misevich and Graveman did not blow the ball game. And I'm sure that we would all be talking about it if they had. Not so much Graveman since he pitched the ninth and it was a one-run game. He's more often than not used as the closer. But if Kikuchi-san had been allowed to pitch the eighth inning, his average number of pitches per inning, given his number average number of pitches per inning, the math would have worked out to 108.5 pitches through eight innings. And it's not like Service wanted to bring in Misevich because there was some sort of matchup situation. He and Kikuchi are both left-handed. There was no reason to pull Kikuchi when he was on top of his game like that. I absolutely would have let him pitch at least the 8th, if not the ninth, depending on how the 8th inning went. It was a one-run ball game, and um, you know if, if Kikuchi would have struggled in the 8th, then obviously bring in the closer. Kikuchi got screwed not only by his manager, but by the home plate umpire early in the game as well. He only allowed two walks in his 7 innings, but during the course of walking those two hitters, there were pitches well within the strike zone that were called balls in both plate appearances. So he really should have had zero walks. This is not the first time this has happened to the Mariners, and umpiring in general has been hit or missed this season across Major League Baseball. It's almost like the umpires union is, is telling his members, yeah, go out there and stink it up because we want you to be replaced with machines. Jason Burke of Locked on A's has talked about this. He talked about this on two of his programs this week because of bad umpiring in the A's Rays series. Enough negativity, though, about service, about umpires. I'll get into the offense here in just a bit, but just briefly, because it's the same old, same old. But Kikuchi-san was absolutely masterful. The Astros looked stumped against him. He was mixing his pitch as well. He was messing up their timing with that little hesitation he has in his windup. He was getting a lot of weak ground ball outs with pitches down in the strike zone. He was staying out of the middle of the zone. His location was on point, except to that double uh, to Correa. In the seventh, he was moving the ball on the inner half, on the outside half, on the corners. You could not ask for anything more from this young man. This was the best performance of his that I can remember in his few years with the Mariners. You cannot say enough good things about what he did yesterday. And he kept his composure as he was being squeezed by the home plate ump. He struck out seven as well. The Mariner offense was also quiet yesterday, as the Astros was. They are really in a rut, ladies and gentlemen. The one run scored was a solo home run from Taylor Trammell. It was on a pitch on the inner half of the zone. I'm sure they wanted it further in and lower. Missed his spot. Tram got just enough of it to send it over the right field wall. And he really didn't square it up too much. It was definitely a mistake that Trammell was just able to do just enough with to provide the one run of the game. The Mariners only collected four hits themselves, three of them against starter Luis Garcia, who threw only 73 pitches in his five innings. He is still being stretched out. He began the season in the bullpen, so that's why he really didn't go deep at all into this one, despite throwing so few pitches. The Astros staff was also very good yesterday. They only allowed one walk to the Mariners, So there was really only one legitimate walk of the game, that one walk that the Mariners collected. The Mariner defense also had some moments of glory. There were three great plays, two of which ended innings. 
Yusei Kikuchi made a brilliant play with one out in the seventh on a ball that was bounced high off the plate. He came in to retrieve it, slid to stop his momentum, popped up and threw a strike to first base to retire the runner. That's as good a defensive play as you may see a pitcher make all year. Pitchers are generally not known for their defense. There are, of course, some who are, but Kikuchi-san certainly turned in a gold glove play right there. With two out in the eighth, Miles Straw hit a low sinking line drive out to left field, which Sam Haggerty had to slide to snare just before it hit the turf. Straw is the fastest guy on the Astros team. He can run. So had the ball gotten by Telegram Sam, Straw very well may have found himself with a triple and maybe even an inside-the-park home run, depending on how the ball may have caromed off the wall. That may be stretching it a bit, but who cares? Telegram Sam made a great catch to end the inning and keep a speedster off the base paths. Then to end the ninth inning and thus the ball game, Taylor Trammell made a great play. He was playing very deep in center field, the so-called no-doubles defense, to keep the ball in front of outfielders, and Carlos Correa hit a pop-up far enough behind second base so the middle infielders couldn't get to it, and shallow enough for Trammell to have to sprint in just to make the play close. He kept his eye on the ball, saw that it was sinking fast, slid underneath it, caught it with the palm of his glove, but maintained control to end the ball game. Great pitching performances are often accompanied by great defense, and while the Mariners' defense has had some issues this season, they came up aces yesterday. Back to Kikuchi. Again, this is kind of the performance that the TV crew was speculating, not speculating, this is the kind of performance that the TV crew said, you know, how he was successful in Japan. When he came to the Mariners, they wanted him to change his mechanics. They wanted him to use his fastball more. They told him, if you get 96, 97 miles an hour, use it. He's not that type of pitcher. He is more effective, and a lot of pitchers are, when they mix their pitches well, just kind of show the hitters the fastball to say, hey, I've got this 96, 97 miles an hour fastball, but I'm going to get you out with this cutter. I'm going to get you out with this changeup. You have to mix your pitches to be successful, and Kikuchi just did that so wonderfully yesterday, accompanied by just pinpoint control, which is not something I've seen from him either in the past, and that may be a mechanical issue, because again, the Mayors wanted to change his mechanics and wanted him really to get away from what made him successful in Japan. That can happen to a pitcher going to a new organization, whether it's from one major league organization to another, or whether they're changing leagues. The pitching coach who's, you know, going to be acquiring this pitcher often has other ideas of how this pitcher can be better and it oftentimes doesn't work. Tom Wilhelmsen is a great example of this. When he went to the Texas Rangers from the Seattle Mariners, he was terrible. They said, nah, don't use your four-seam fastball anymore. We want you to use this two-seamer that you don't have, but we're going to develop it for you. And he wound up with an ERA something close to 11, was released midseason, came back to the Mariners, and they said, why are you using this two-seam fastball? Go back to your four-seam fastball. That's what made you successful. And he had another good half-season. With the Mariners, pitching coaches can screw up players they're trying to fix. This also happened to Rob Dibble to some degree in the early 90s after he left the Reds organization. 
he wound up with balance problems because of a ruptured eardrum, but when he went to the Brewers organization and the White Sox organization, both of their pitching coaches had very different ideas to try to correct him, and it wound up confusing him more than anything else. He wound up in the Cubs organization, but left spring camp in 1996, uh, signed a, a minor league deal with the Marlins, but never pitched a game in their system and he was out of baseball by the, by the time he was 31 32 years old after being so dominant earlier in his career partially obviously because of the ruptured eardrum which affected his balance but also because he had so many pitching coaches that were trying to get him to do so many different things that it just it screwed him up more than anything else so to wrap up the point kikachi going back to what had made him successful in japan hopefully will spell success as a major league pitcher. We saw it yesterday. Let's hope he can keep it up. There is some more injury news to get to in the next segment, unfortunately. But first, the trivia corner and this trivia question. The Mariners begin a three-game series against the Angels tonight in Seattle, which I will preview in C-Block. Mike Trout seemingly always hits well, not only just against the Mariners, but in Seattle specifically. What is his batting average and how many home runs has he hit in Seattle? I will tell you the answer after I tell you about Sports Trade. Have you guys heard about Sports Trade? It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. This is amazing. Sports Trade takes fantasy to the next level. It's like Robin Hood for fantasy sports. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players, just like real stocks. Finally. A pair, a fair, pardon me, an exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. And they just added baseball to the platform, so check it out today. Making money with sports trade is simple as player uh, values rise and fall based on two factors. One, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points in that game. The more points scored, the higher their value goes. Two, good old supply and demand. The more demand a player has, the higher their value goes. When you're ready to buy shares, pick that penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab that blue chip vet who's always a solid performer. Instantly buy and sell as many shares in as many players as you'd like, just like the stock market. Then watch your players battle and your portfolio value rise. Somebody go to sportstrade.com, watch the How It Works video, then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun, exciting, and profitable new way of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You will be amazed. Mm. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in on the game at sportstrade.com. Answer to the trivia question. In Mike Trout's 81 games in Seattle, he's got a batting average of 333. Yeah, his full slash line is 333, 430, 693. He's hit 27 home runs in Seattle, more than any other visiting ballpark, and it's really not close. I think second is 19 in the Coliseum, but I could be wrong about that. He's also driven in 68 runs in Seattle, more than any other visiting ballpark. And that 333 batting average is the third highest in visiting stadiums in which he's played 20 or more games. He has a 368 batting average in 20 games in Yankee Stadium. Thank you for doing that against the Yankees. And a 365 batting average in Comiskey Park in Chicago. I know it's changed names a few times, and I honestly have no idea what it's supposed to be called now, and I also don't care. So I just call it Comiskey Park. 
Coming up, the host goes into his soothing golf voice announcer for the following advertisement for Blue Nile. This episode is brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings that are sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring. Ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply as a beautiful conversation piece, they're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight, and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring that she'll treasure forever, you are definitely going to want to check this out. They will not be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Now back to Locked On Mariners and your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you, Joey Martin. Uh, another some more unfortunate injury news in this segment. I don't like doing these segments. Uh, this latest injury kind of came out of the blue. Another starting pitcher has gone down, and unfortunately, it's the number one starter. Marco Gonzalez was placed on the 10-day disabled list prior to yesterday's game with a forearm strain. Marco is the third starting pitcher to be placed on the DL this season already. That's not good. However, it didn't sound as if it was anything too serious, and he should be back you know, so- sooner rather than later. Among the three injuries the three different starters have incurred, uh, this is the least concerning of the three, even though it was to the number one guy. Paxton is out for the season, having underwent Tommy John surgery. Who knows how long Nick Margevichis will be out. He will undergo some more tests once the inflammation in his shoulder subsides. And while this uh, Marco Gonzalez forearm strain is certainly nothing to make light of, and I don't mean to, it is something that Marco should be able to come back from. Domingo Tapia was recalled from the taxi squad to take his place on the roster yesterday. The Mariners are still still considering what to do with its rotation. Scott Service indicated that he really didn't want to go to a five-man rotation, but there isn't a viable option right now to fill Marco's spot. Robert Duggar has started eight big league ball games in 2019 and 20 for the Marlins, but he just wasn't effective. Kendall Graveman is a former starter, but I would be shocked if they moved him back to the rotation since he was moved to the pen for health reasons and also because he's been a very effective back-end short reliever. They may decide to just run a reliever out there that they're not going to expect a whole ton of innings from and just have a bullpen day when it comes to Marco's turn. That would not be the worst option, and it's been done before. I'm not talking about utilizing one of those silly openers that were the trend in 2019. I'm talking about a true bullpen game where you start a reliever, he gives you, you know, three innings, four tops, 
and then you bring in another guy for an inning or two, and so on down the line until the game is completed. Sometimes that's the only option. Duggar would be a good candidate to start these bullpen games since he has been a starter in the past. If Eric Swanson were to be recalled, he might be another good candidate as he has also been a starter in the past. But I'm not going to expect either one to go deep into a game since neither of them is stretched out at this point. But if you get three innings out of either one, that would be considered a good outing. The Mariners made another roster move this morning, recalling catcher Jacob Nottingham, who was acquired two days ago from the Brewers organization as a waiver claim, and they placed Evan White on the bereavement list. As of this recording, there's no word on what exactly has happened, but it's obviously something bad, and baseball has to be secondary to Mr. White at this time, so whenever he's ready to come back, great. Real life has to come first, and we all know that. It's only a game after all. But at the same time, it's my job to talk about the baseball implications of such a roster move. I'm surprised that the Mariners are going to carry three catchers on its roster, quite honestly, especially with their lack of reserve players that they're carrying. They only carry three reserve players at any given time, and now two of them are catchers. Although Service has not been shy about using Tom Murphy and Luis Torrens in the same starting lineup, with one of them DHing. I'm wondering if the M's would also would send out Torrens when right when White, pardon me, is ready to return and keep Nottingham at the big league level, or send Nottingham back when White returns. I really have no good guess, but I would I would be surprised if Tom Murphy were to be moved. I'm almost 100% certain that he's out of minor league options, so he would have to be waived prior to getting sent down. And I don't think the Mariners would want to risk losing him. But I've been surprised before, gang. One final roster note, Mitch Hanniger did sit out his second game in succession yesterday. He's not injured, and he wasn't sick like I thought he may have been, based on Service's post-game comments on Wednesday. He's dealing with some fatigue issues, and Service just, just wanted to give him an extra day of rest. Do you have a question or comment? If so, send an email to LockedOnMariners at gmail.com. Questions and comments on any subject are welcome and encouraged, does not have to be related to baseball in any way, shape, or form, and it doesn't have to do anything with sports either. Oftentimes, those off-topic questions make for a more fun show. Not all the time, since the one baseball question I do have thus far is a really good one. But anything that's on your mind, send an email to the show. Coming up, what will be the pitching matchups in the upcoming three-game series against the Angels? If you don't stick around, you will never find out. But first, this word from Built Bar, the greatest protein bars in the history of food shaped in bars. They're high in protein and fiber, low in sugar and calories. They're soft and easy to chew without a gritty or chalky texture and do not leave that funny aftertaste that many protein supplements do. They really are the best protein supplement I've tried, and I've tried a few in my day. I was at one point in my life something of a gym rat, believe it or not, and the protein stuff I was using at the time tasted okay, but not nearly as good as a Built Bar gang. They come in 18 delicious flavors. Peanut butter brownie might be my favorite, but mint brownie is also excellent. Coconut almond, raspberry orange, German chocolate cake, there really isn't a bad one in the bunch. Some obviously suit my tastes more than others, but they're all good. Try them for yourself. Order some at BuiltBar.com and you can thank me later. And if at checkout you try to use promo code GLURGGLOGGLOGGITYGLURG, 
nothing happens. So just use promo code LOCKED15 at checkout instead, and that'll, that'll get you 15% off your order. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 at checkout, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off your order of the best-tasting protein bars on the planet, nay, in the universe. Built Bar, making it great. Now back to Locked On Mariners and your host, D.C. Lundberg. Thank you again, sir. The Mariners do begin a three-game series against the Los Angeles Angels tonight in Seattle. 7-10 start time in Seattle, Spokane, Anaheim, Coeur d'Alene, Post Falls, Beaverton, San Mateo. Okay, I'll stop. The first segment of this program ran very, very long, much longer than it should have, so I really only have time to go over the pitching matchups. And the first one is Chris Flexen against Andrew Heaney. Andrew Heaney will be making his fifth start of the season. Thus far, he has a... Pardon me, 4-3-5 earned run average and a whip below 1 and a tremendous strikeout rate at 12.6 per 9 innings. Three walks per 9 innings, however. 22 and a third innings thus far this season. 29 strikeouts, 7 walks, only 1 home run. Last year in 12 starts, he pitched to a 4-4-6 earned run average, a whip of 1.230 and 2.6 walks per 9, 1.2 home runs per 9, 8.5 hits per 9. His last full season was 2008 where he made 30 starts, one complete game shutout. 4.15 earned run average that season, whip of 1.200, 2.3 walks per nine innings, and nine strikeouts. On the other side of the picture is Chris Flexen, who was just absolutely dazzling his last time out. And his timeout before that also just got slightly outpitched by Zach Greinke. He more than held his own against Greinke, who was absolutely spectacular. The second game of the series will feature LJ Newsom getting his first start of the season. He'll be making his fifth appearance uh, for the Mariners this season. So far has a 1.69 earned run average in 10 and two-thirds innings in long relief. He's got a whip under one as well, and fewer than a walk per nine innings, and that ratio was actually even better last season. In his nine combined games at the Major League level so far, four of them have been starts. He's pitched 26 and a third innings. He's got a 3.76 earned run average and in those 26 and a thirds he's uh, struck out 20 and walked only two batters that's a walks per nine inning ratio of 0.7 per nine and a strikeouts per nine of 6.8 per nine strikeout rate has been a little bit up this season but in five fewer innings pitching for the angels will be griffin canning the young uh, pitcher he is a right-handed pitcher 6'2 180 he is 24 years old. He'll be 25 in just a few weeks, and he'll be making his fifth appearance of the season and his fourth start. He has 31 games of big league experience under his belt. 31 of them have been starts, 161 and two-thirds innings, and in his career has a earned run average, a earned run average, and earned run average of 4.73, a whip of 1.293, walked 3.2 per nine. That's a, about average for this day and age, 9.4 strikeouts per nine. This season, his ERA has been much higher than it has in seasons past, but that's only in 15 innings uh, thus far. It is early in the season. And on Sunday, which is another day game, Justice Sheffield will be facing Dylan Bundy. Bundy is one of the veterans on the Angels staff. He is 28 years old. He's in his 
second season as an Angel. Previously pitched for the Baltimore Orioles, making his major league debut at the age of 19. He'll make he'll be making pardon me his sixth start of this season. So far, has a 4.20 earned run average and a WHIP of 1.100. His last full season was 2019, in which he made 30 starts. That was also his last season in Baltimore, where he pitched to a 4.79 earned run average, a WHIP of 1.355, struck out nine per nine innings, walked 3.2 per nine innings but gave up the long ball. But again, that's Baltimore, very different stadium than Anaheim. And last year, in his 11 games, he pitched better than he ever had in Baltimore. His career as an Oriole, which spanned 127 games, 103 starts, he's got an earned run average of 4.67. And in in his 16 games as an Angel, I'm glad the show's almost over, my voice is starting to give out. In his 16 games as an Angel in his career, uh, that would be 95 and two-thirds innings and a 3.57 earned run average. That's 110 points lower than it was in Baltimore, gang. He's also giving up fewer hits per nine innings as an Angel as he did in Baltimore. Way fewer home runs. The walk rate is down and the strikeout rate is up. So he's been doing pretty well as an Angel so far, and opposing him again will be left-hander Justice Sheffield. He'll be making his fifth start of the season, and he really hasn't gotten on track yet. The walk rate is actually exactly the same as it was last year, and his strikeout rate is up, but he's given up more home runs ratio-wise, and he's been hit pretty hard. He'll get better. I mean, he proved last year that he is a legitimate major league pitcher. In his 10 starts, he pitched 55 and a third innings, 3.58 earned run average, and a whip of 1.301. 3.3 walks per nine innings. I'd still like to see that number go down, but he only gave up two home runs in those 51 and a thirds. He's already given up three so far this year in 22 innings, and he's also walked eight hitters. Again, ratio-wise, exactly the same. I think he will get better this season, ladies and gentlemen. It it is early again. The first month of the season is concluding tonight. We begin a brand new month tomorrow on Saturday. So I still am optimistic that Justice Sheffield uh, (laughs) will turn in an ERA for the season better than the 5-3-2 that he currently has. Also this morning, nothing to do with baseball. The Women's Curling World Championships began at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 o'clock a.m. in Calgary. I have not yet watched the first uh, matchup. The United States was involved in the first draw against Scotland. Again, I haven't watched it yet. I'm about to go watch it on the DVR once this program has concluded. The PBA playoffs continue tomorrow, so boy, is my DVR going to be full. And that's pretty much all I got for you today, ladies and gentlemen. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. I have no idea why I just wanted to set a land speed record with that particular plug but I did. Do listen to Locked On today. All the sports news you need, among the major sports at least. And for bowling and curling, of course, keep it right here to Locked On Mariners. I will be back on Monday to recap this three-game series against the Angels. Joining me to recap the series will be Alice Nelson, Leo the Lion, and a traffic cone. You will not want to miss that conversation, ladies and gentlemen. It will be delightful. So download, rate, and follow Locked On Mariners. Look for us on any podcasting app that springs into your brain head. Leave a rating and review if your podcasting app of choice so allows. Thank you once again for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back on Monday again to recap this series. In the interim, have yourself a great weekend. This is Joey Martin speaking for Locked On Mariners. 
part of the Locked On Podcast Network, 